You're listening to the RT Today podcast, featuring some of our best bits from the show on RT One weekdays at 3.30. So what's got Ireland talking? Well, we have our news panel here, James, to tell us all. We do indeed. In studio, we have Irish Daily Mail columnist Fiona Looney, broadcaster Jonathan Healy, and on Skype we have journalist and author Shane Ross. You're all very welcome. Jonathan, how do you feel about SUVs? Uh, do you know what? Um, thankfully, I don't have one, so I can speak from a very high moral ground here. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, down very with impartial. that. Yes, yes, down with that sort of thing, and whoever drives them should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, but the, the, the French have taken particular umbrage to them, it would appear, and the mayor of France, a directly elected mayor, mm-hmm. uh, had a bit of a referendum on this, and uh, they're now about as popular as gone off garlic uh, on the banks of the Seine. So what they've actually done is they have hiked the cost of parking them. So if you have a big bus Mm -hmm. uh, and you want to park it in Paris, it is now going to cost you 18 euros an hour. Mm -hmm. Not not a day. 18 euros an hour. So all of a sudden, your lovely big SUV, um, your Chelsea tractor, if you're in London, I'm not sure what the French equivalent is, the Marseille's tractor. Le tractor. Le tractor. Le tractor grand um, (laughs) is is now being banned. Um, Someone did a very helpful comparison in the Irish Times saying it'd be 10 euros an hour if they introduced it in Dublin, which of course they won't because the good people of leafy South Dublin would not be able to come to town anymore and they would say down with that sort yeah. But I think there's, a, there's merit in it, James, purely because these things are huge. Mm. And um, if you, even in a normal parking space now, if you park in any multi-storey car park and you get sandwiched between two of these yeah. monster trucks, you can't get out of your You need a tin opener, opener to get out of the car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, like the, it, Paris, obviously they're, they're big avenues, but the streets are quite narrow, the ordinary streets. So, like, if you've got one of these parked and then just an ordinary car parked on the other side of the street you're really going to struggle to get between them. Mm. So, you know, it, it's... I, I, we always look at these kind of things. We always say, could it happen mm. here? And it, it's really interesting because everyone always reaches for the we don't have adequate public transport mm. here, we have to drive into town. And I found myself, when I was thinking about this earlier, I was going, oh, well, it couldn't happen here because we need to sort out public transport. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, you know, I'm 157 years of age. I have <laughs> lived most of my life in the suburbs of Dublin. I've driven into town in Dublin less than a handful of times. Yeah. 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 You know, I've managed my whole life to get into town on, t- on public transport. So I think we're... We've a tendency to be a bit too married mm-hmm. to our big cars and we, we find excuses not to get out okay, of the uh, Sh- Shane Ross, this was once your brief. What do you say about all this? I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's, it's in keeping with, uh, with what Fiona was just talking about. It's in keeping with the, with the push to get cars off the road and get onto public transport. Mm-hmm. It, it has been voted through in Paris, certainly. But, I mean, to, to take her point, Paris does have a metro. We don't have mm-hmm. one. That's very, very important, underground. In London, you have congestion. Again, they've got an underground and we don't have it. So it's far more suitable for there, but certainly it's severe. But it, it might make the car manufacturers begin to think about making such big cars and reduce their size. Yeah, we, we, we have a tape there, yeah, James. I yeah. carry this at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you were to ever need it. It's such a current. And, and there <laughs> we have it. We need it today. <laughs> we do indeed. I knew it. Swap the builder over here. No. So two metres, OK. So right. This is, an is that the separation that you normally have to have from your co-presenter? James, actually, is not, James is not respecting it. That was only during COVID, and those days are gone. <laughs> Thanks be to God. So this, this is what it is. Yeah, yeah. the width of it's the sofa. Huge. There, yeah. there is one particular vehicle which yeah. I won't name uh, yeah. for fear of offending anyone who bought one. Uh, but it is the equivalent of the American utility vehicles, and it has this massive front 
a kind of a space enough to fit a family of five mm. comfortably and then a big massive boot at the end and there are people who are living in suburban driveways yeah. driving that around going okay I, I, I don't know what God didn't give you enough of mm. but I'm sure we could source it for you without having to buy this yeah. big massive thing telling us how great you are. Well if you look at what you've just done there yeah. I mean you are both good sized men. Yeah. You could easily fit We're very burly. two people <laughs> in we between. We could easily fit a Fiona Lodo in there. <laughs> and Jonathan. Come on in. <laughs> but it's so true oh, though. never ask. <laughs> Change scale a lot. Yeah. Fiona, we move on to our next story and it's about a name and is it a, a bill. Yeah, so this is, a, this is a, a funny little story actually. So the Republican presidential candidate who's not doing very well unfortunately, well I say unfortunately but that's mm. only because we know who our opposition is, Nikki Halley. Um, is married to a man called Michael Halley, except she isn't married to a man called Michael Halley, because this has now emerged in interviews that when she first met her future husband, he said, my name is Bill, and she said, you don't look like a Bill, what's your middle name? And he said, Michael, and she said, well, you're now Michael. <gasps> and ever since then, he has gone by the name Michael Halley, which wow. obviously leads us to ask, yeah. would you change your name? Why would you change your name? But it, it got me thinking... I think we're an awful lot more fluid in this country about mm. names. And there's a huge number of people either go by their middle name yep. or, like, my father's Christian name was Daniel on his passport and on his, you know, his birth cert, but he was always Donal. I mean, he just yeah. never, ever answered to Daniel. And I think there's a lot of that. I just, and maybe it's because we're... We're very good at nicknames, but yeah. th th you know, there's not that many of us actually uh, go by our given name. If somebody like... turned around to me and said, I, I look like a something else, I go, I'm delighted for you, but my name is Jonathan. Thank yeah. you very yeah. much for putting that through. And what's worse, he married her, which meant that he kind of he followed <laughs> through despite the warning signs uh, that she was going to become the Republican candidate for the presidency. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I have a million nicknames, absolutely loads of them. I'm known as Jonathan, John, Johnny, yeah. Jono. And loads of others they won't mention on the telly. And, and I just respond to them all. As long as they're not rude, I'll yeah. go along with it. But this, yeah. it's my name. My name is it's who I name. am. There's always a J in it. That's probably yeah. the best description. Yeah, be proud of your name. Yeah. Absolutely. You certainly should. Yeah. Shane, what, what do you think of this story? I think you should be allowed to change your name anytime you like. And as often as you like, it's, it's one of those things. You never have a choice of, of, of what your name is, which is very unfortunate. I, I had a grandfather who was called Selwyn Prescott, right? That was pretty tough and he didn't like it. And he called himself Peter, and that was fine. That's what he was known of for the for the rest of it for the rest of his life. Names go in and out of fashion, and and uh, what we call our children, I suppose, because we're the you know the parents of the people who decide it. Mm -hmm. It depends on what we think of the people we know by that name. I mean, look at look at I mean, in Germany, for instance, the name Adolf has just completely mm -hmm. and utterly disappeared. Yeah. It was the most it was the most popular name around uh, before the Second World War. So they go out of fashion, but I think people should be allowed to change them. Of course they should. It's very inconvenient for everybody else. But so, if, you, if you're burdened with one of those names, you don't want... I mean, Marilyn Monroe's name, lots and lots of actors mm -hmm. have changed their names. She was, she, she was I think, Norma, Norma Jean. Norma Jean, uh, yeah. And there are, plenty, there are plenty of others who've done it for reasons which are completely to do with branding themselves. In politics, they, one or two people like Sean Loftus, uh, who was elected for Dublin Dublin North, he changed his name to Sean Dublin Bay Loftus mm, yeah. because it suited his branding. So, so it, it happens in no circumstances, but mm. it's a, it can be a great inconvenience to be given the wrong name if you don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I will speak up for people who ended up with slightly left-of-centre names as a result of that. There is a family name that I have... 
as part of my wider, longer name. I've admitted this on the television before, so you can't start. <laughs> I've said it already. Um, but the family name uh, in the Healy's was Cecil. Cecil? Which is very much out of fashion. There, you don't yeah. meet many Cecils these days. It's a bit yeah. sassy. Yeah, you don't meet yeah. them as a result. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Cecil and I... The more you say it, John, you look like yeah. one. Yeah. You, you look, look like one, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. It's the least sassy name. Absolutely, yeah. I'm trying to make him feel better. the least sorry. I know, but he's trying. He's trying to be nice. And I tried to lumber all three of my children, including my daughter, with this, and they've all refused. They've so all Cecil, Cecil dies with me. Uh, would, would, would Cecil E be a bit better? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. straws here. Let it go, James. <laughs> anyone call Cecil, you're, you're lovely. You're lovely. Yeah, we, we do not discriminate. Yeah. No way. To be, to be fair, Shane Ross, I think anyone with a name like Cecil could have a Michelin star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is another story. This is our next story. The Michelin star is being being run today in most of the papers, and... Ireland has done pretty well. Mm-hmm. We've, got, we've got a new two-star uh, restaurant. We've got three added one-star restaurants. We haven't got any three-stars yet, which I think mm-hmm. is, is unfortunate. But what it does tell you is there are two good things about this. One is it's, it's countrywide now. You know, Michelin stars used to be confined to Dublin. Now it's countrywide, which is, which is wonderful. Uh, and and it's, it's also something which, which, um, which, 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 which has a great, a great spread as well. Now, mm-hmm. what they don't tell you they can tell you some prices, but they don't tell you what the cost of a wine is. And, you you know, this is the, the mm. absolute blue ribbon of, of restaurants. But they say, OK, it'll cost you 100 euros a head, which is huge money to mm. go. But it doesn't actually tell you what the cost of wine is with the meals as well. And that's an added, an added uh, you know, is an added burden which you have to pay. But for Ireland, it's really, really good news. Yeah. It shows that we're getting very, very good at food in this country. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I can say I dined in one of them. Uh, not all of them, Ooh, nice. but I dined in the Bishop's Buttery, <laughs> uh, which is the one in the Cashel Palace Hotel. And I have to say, it was. I went in thinking it would be, you know, beyond mere mortal to understand mm. what was on the menu, but it was fabulous. It was actually it was, it was proper dinner, if I could put it that way, yeah. but very nice dinner, uh, if I could, if I could say. And the old bottle of Pinot Grigio was only forty quid, yeah. so that kind of puts a hole in some of Shane's argument. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that if you go there, it can be a bit hit and miss because mm. you know sometimes I did go to another one years and years ago uh, where they murdered the same pair three times as part of the dessert, okay. and uh, it kind of put a nasty, nasty bit. That was not the one that was announced yesterday. Another one, that, was a, that was a different one. Different. Uh, Shane, we're going to go back to you for, for our last story today. And very sad news that uh, we lost Irhishach John Bruton earlier on today at the age of 76. Yeah, that was that, that is very, very sad indeed. He'd been ill for some time. And yeah, I knew, I knew him quite well when I, when I was in the Senate. He, uh, he, he, he recruited me to Fine Gael for a short period of time. And he was a very, very <laughs> impressive guy. I think people forget that he was only Taoiseach for a very short time. In fact, it was only about two and a half years. But the in the tributes which are coming out today, I think the interesting things that I've noted is, first of all, they say he's very conservative and he was he was very much into into his religion. He was a great believer. And that's a, that's greatly to his credit because he stood he stood by it. He wasn't ashamed of it. He didn't go with with the fad or with the fashions uh, and that he he listened to people. Uh, he, he was a great listener. He'd actually stop and talk to you and ask your ideas and he'd actually take them on board and criticize them or actually, you know, actually Take them, take them seriously, which is unlike a lot of other uh, polit- politicians. He wasn't populist. And I suppose the one thing, one legacy I suspect that he'll leave is this. He was only in office for a very short period of time, partly because he wasn't populist. And he used to ask the question, he, he used to ask the question about an issue, 
is it right rather than is it popular? That's mm-hmm. not something which happens very often nowadays. So that'll be missed. Okay, absolutely. We remember for so many things there, as Shane says. Fiona, you will remember him for many things, including his laugh. I, and you know what? Let this go on the record. He had the best laugh in Irish political life. And <laughs> like it started in his toes and it was the most <laughs> extraordinary, you know, it was a head turning laugh. But uh, yeah, I came across him in my early journalistic career. You know, I would have, you know, been at kind of events that he was at and extremely polite, very generous with his time. But if you were beside him and he started laughing, oh, my God, it was the best thing. It was a very oh, guttural laugh. Yeah. It was a guttural laugh. You heard it, if yeah. I can put it that way. Yeah. I, mean, I interviewed him many times over the years. Uh, impeccably polite would be the first mm. thing that would come to mind. Yeah. But also was in charge. I know he wasn't there for a huge amount of time, but a very progressive government around that time. Yeah. You know, the peace process would have started out. Yeah. Uh, his government was the one that ended the constitutional ban on divorce. Well, the people did, but they brought the referendum to the people. I think it was around the same time as well they abolished college fees so you know it was a very progressive period uh, and he went on to continue to contribute to Irish discourse and Irish debate uh, for the rest of his life and he will be sadly missed. He c- c- certainly would guys. Thank you for being with us Jonathan and Fiona and Shane on Skype as well great to have you just to let you know there is a special tribute to John Bruton on primetime tonight at 9.35 here on RTE1. Thanks, Emil, for listening. Don't forget, you can tune into the Today Show every weekday on RT1 from 3.30. Or if you miss the show, you can always watch us back on the RT player. Visit rte.ie forward slash player. Stay tuned.